brings us to our title of our slot, of our uh, message. But there's a lot of darkness, a lot of spiritual darkness in the world. And my heart goes out to uh, teens as well as kids and adults as we deal with this. So you can see where we're going, obviously, not just in a childish sense. Are you scared of the dark? Now, if you want to tell me your opinion on that later, you feel free. Uh, Joel saw my title slide a little bit ago before service, and he asked me if uh, I was scared of the dark. And I think my answer was something along the lines of, well, it depends on if I can hear something scary. I mean, you know, it really depends on that. But basically, and I try to remind my girls of these two things, really two times that we don't really need to be scared of the dark. One is when we're worth when we're with someone who's more powerful than whatever's in the darkness. And second is when there's nothing in the darkness to be afraid of. Now, as we obviously in 2 Timothy look at spiritual darkness, there's something we can be afraid of. There's actually a lot to it. But just like my girls don't need to be scared when they're in the dark with me, uh, because anything that's there, even though there's probably nothing there, but anything that's there, I've got them, I've got their hand, I'm going to take care of them. It doesn't matter how dark this world gets spiritually. It doesn't matter how dark our country gets spiritually or if it starts to brighten up spiritually. I'd love to see revival in our nation, but no matter what happens, we're with the one who's in control. So we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live scared of the dark. But when it comes to spiritual darkness, I think we could also add that we don't have to be scared of the dark when it helps the light shine brighter. And no way I could get it dark enough in here, but you've seen it, captured it a little bit on just that slide. But uh, if I had just one candle one simple lighter, one simple match, and it was pitch dark in here, that thing would be bright. It would light me up. You'd be able to see me very well. But if I did it right now, you wouldn't even be able to notice it. I think a lot of times it's easy for us to think that dim is okay. Little bit of spiritual wickedness, little bit of spiritual darkness, maybe even in our own lives as Christians, and we'll start to become okay with it. But when it gets dark, that's when lines get real clear. And it's either we're following God or we're following the world. And I wonder if right now God's going to use these uncertain times to help all each of us to start to choose sides a little bit more in every area of our lives and to help us shine our light a lot brighter. So that's what we're going to be looking at in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in just a bit. Really, what all of 2 Timothy is about in so many ways. I was reminded the other day that uh, I might need to wear a little brighter clothing if I go out here and jog. Uh, What I really need to do is go out here and jog a little more often. But uh, if I'm out there jogging um, on the road toward twilight, not not always safe. Uh, One person was nice enough to remind me that I should probably wear a little brighter clothing. Here's the thing. With something as simple as jogging, if it's pitch dark, I'm not going out. I'll realize, no, that's bad. I'm going to get hit by a car. This isn't going to work. But it was last or two nights ago that I was out and I ran not that far, but just a little farther than I thought I would. It got dark a little quicker. And sure enough, there I am at twilight, hurrying home a little bit, probably darker than what I should. We would never go out and just be on the road in dark clothing at dark. But when it's twilight, we can get comfortable with it. May that not be us spiritually. No matter whether things are getting more twilighty and just dim in America and in our own lives or whether they're really getting dark, let's not be scared of the dark, but let's respond with the only true light. People need to be able to see the only real light, and we have that. God, we have God with us every step of the way. These are difficult times, but difficult times are so often exactly what God uses to explode the spread of the gospel. So I'm not saying I watch the news and I'm encouraged, to be quite frank. I don't usually watch the news because it's very discouraging. And my heart is burdened for everything that's going on. And a lot of it is on all of our minds, specific things, and all of that. 
But at the same time, we can be encouraged that God is still the light. We still have the opportunity to serve him. And maybe our light will shine a little brighter. Maybe we'll realize areas of our own light, alone lives where maybe we're not falling into horrible sin, but we've allowed them to get a little dim. We've allowed that light to not shine as brightly from our lives as we should. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, Thou therefore, my son, Paul talking through the Holy Spirit to uh, Timothy there, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Thou therefore do this, in other words, because God's called you, God's equipped you, and it's worth it. Definitely not always easy, but always worth it. So the thou therefore comes at the beginning of chapter 2, and we won't take time to look back through all of chapter 1. Did have the privilege the other day to read the four chapters in 2 Timothy. Next time you're feeling down, feeling like darkness is winning over the light, I'd encourage you, take a few minutes. Read 2 Timothy in its entirety. It's such a blessing. And really, I could almost take these same points, this same message from almost any chapter, almost any part of 2 Timothy, because it's really the theme that's woven throughout it in so many ways to this young pastor, Timothy. Chapter 1 seems to be so much about shining the light through the darkness. God's work going forward despite the devil's best efforts to stop it. And sometimes it seems like it's that very opposition that drives God's work farther. Early Christian author Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Now, I pray that it never comes to that here in America, that it takes literal martyrdom, people losing their lives for Christ, for the church to explode. I pray that we'll be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading and that we'll be more burdened to see revival in our own lives and in our country so that it won't take martyrdom. And we may not currently be in danger of losing our lives for Christ, but we may be in danger of blending in with the spiritual twilight. We would never blend in with the spiritual darkness. We see horrible wickedness, and we could go on down naming specific things. Never have part in that. But it's so easy to blend in with the twilight. I've heard it said before, I think a couple of times, that uh, the world will be here and the church here. And we'll say, wow, look at us as Christians. We're not like the world. But then the world will move farther into darkness, farther into sin, and we'll make a move as well. Maybe not nearly as far as the world, hopefully not, not jumping into darkness, but we'll follow right on with the dimness. And may that not be said of Marlbrook. May that not be said of you or me as Christians. May we shine the light brighter the darker and darker it gets. Often it's when it's dark that our light can shine the brightest. We'll get comfy with the dim, but turn on a light when it's truly dark, and maybe that's what God is going to use. And would that we would respond now rather than when it gets even darker. No matter how dark it gets in the world around us, let's never give in to fear, but move forward for God. Let's pray, and we'll look through these verses. Father God, thank you. Above all, that you're in control. <laughs> We're on the winning side. We know that uh, we win in the end. It's okay if we lose some battles right now, and it seems like uh, we may be losing a lot at different times, individually and maybe as a nation and as a world. We know that you are in control. But I pray that we'll do our part to shine the light, to move forward in your strength, and uh, that we will examine each of our own lives, each of us will, through your Holy Spirit, even tonight during this message, and see if maybe we would reject 
outright darkness, but we've allowed some dimness. We've allowed ourselves to blend in with the world around us in ways that you want us to stand out, to stand as a bright light shining to the world around us. Show me, show each of us anything we need to change for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, first of all, when it's spiritually dark, we can remember the source of our strength. And again, this would be a message all by itself, not that it'll take that long to go through the point, but so much here. 2 Timothy 2.1, Thou therefore, my son, so Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in his grace. It's God's grace that saved Noah and his family from the flood. It's God's grace that enabled, enabled David to defeat Goliath. It's God's grace that enabled the apostle Paul to switch from persecuting the cause of Christ to adamantly promoting it. God's grace is enough. God's grace is sufficient no matter how dark things get. We can remember that the light is stronger than the dark. And it's simple to say, but it's something that can be an encouragement every single time. Even the girls, if they're a little scared of the dark at different times, that light comes on, they're good. If we'll focus on the light, not on the darkness, and do our part to shed and spread that light, it'll help us in so many ways. It's 2 Timothy 2, skipping down to verse 15 that says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, Timothy was a pastor, so Paul's challenging Pastor Timothy to study the word, be able to preach it. But each of us certainly should study the word of God, should be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, ready to rightly divide the word of truth. So this applies to all of us. Verse 16, in the following verses, we can see some of this light and darkness right there. It says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, it's already some darkness right there, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The fact that God gives us his daily strength his daily grace, the fact that he knows that we are his, doesn't matter what the world would say about it, us. It really, in an ultimate sense, doesn't matter what they would try to do to us. We know the one who's in control. He's in control of everything that, would allow, that he would allow out there, and he's in control of us, and he knows that we're his children. We can keep moving forward. I want to summarize that part of this point in a very silly way. We don't have to be scared of buzzards. Yes, buzzards, the birds. Uh, it's been amusing over the last few weeks to see just how many buzzards we've had flying over our house and in, just in this little area right over here. I mean, there were about 10 the other day flying around. And they scare the girls at first. We, we tell them that we always want to watch out for hawks, that they don't eat our chickens. And Bella, our dog, uh, way better guard dog than our rooster, uh, who's no longer with us, was as a uh, guard rooster. Cluck Norris um, is no more. But uh, anyway, uh, Bella did chase off a hawk there. But when it comes to buzzards, they're looking for easy prey. They're looking for dead things. So we tell them, girls, if you see these buzzards coming around, they're not going to come after our chickens. Our, our chickens are alive. They're too tough. Well, so often we're scared or at least tempted to be scared of buzzards spiritually, as if we're dead. No, we're alive through Christ. We're not easy pickings for the enemy. On our own, we are. And if we've drifted away from God, if we're not coming together as a church, if we're not relying on God and his strength, well, Satan can really trip us up. But if we're doing our best to stay close with God, relying on each other, God, can, or God will protect us. Satan can't touch us. The girls don't need to be scared of buzzards flying around, no matter how many there are. We don't need to be scared of the dark because the light is stronger. 
1 John 4, verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So easy to focus on the problems and to focus on, okay, how am I going to make this go away? How am I going to get through? But instead of focusing on the problems, if we'll focus on God, boy, those problems all of a sudden get smaller and smaller. They might not have actually changed, but they'll seem smaller and smaller. God will put them right in perspective. We can remember that God is always with us, even if no one else is. The Apostle Paul, and I'm sure Timothy at times as well, both went through that. It's in 2 Timothy, skipping ahead to chapter 4. Again, the whole book is so awesome with all of these points. But chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. And maybe there'll be a time, maybe you're living in a time, where the darkness is causing everyone else to forsake you. They don't line up. They're not spreading the light like you and I should be. And maybe you go through some lonely times. Paul says this, I pray God that it be not laid to their charge. He's already willing to forgive them. Verse 17, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Here is Paul saying, hey, it's okay if no one else is standing with me because God's standing with me. Now, obviously, Paul facing harsh persecution, and I think that's even why some good people did abandon him, should have stood with him, but didn't. But it was Frederick Douglass that said, one and God make a majority. We can think, oh, this election or that election, and how many voted this way, or how many voted that way, or what this situation is facing, and what's popular, and what we're facing, and wow, we're really in the minority, and Satan definitely wants to make us feel alone a whole lot more alone than we ever are. It was with the teens uh, a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night. Uh, I was looking at the fact that uh, when we feel alone, like we're the only ones serving God, (laughs) that's probably not at all the case. We looked at the life of Elijah, and God fed him some breakfast, got him some rest, and then reminded him that he had 7,000 of his Elijah's countrymen that hadn't bowed the knee to uh, worship Baal. So Elijah was far from alone. But then God even went a step further, and in the very next verse, right after that account, he sent him Elisha. God is with us, and he'll send people to support us and to help us so often. But even if we are taking a stand alone, it's never truly alone. God's with us, one in God, making a majority. We don't have to be afraid, no matter how great the darkness, because God's our strength. Next, when it's spiritually dark, we can remember to stay busy in what matters. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Many have pointed out the groups involved in really the spread of the gospel here. You've got Paul talking to Timothy and and teaching him the word of God, and many witnesses, faithful men, others also. The darkness may be great, but the word of God is greater. It impacted each of those groups of people and individuals like Paul and Timothy, and it'll impact the people that we care about as well. The darkness may be great, but God's word is greater. So our first job really very simply from this passage is shine the light. Let's be willing to shine the light. I really hope that many Christians across America and across the world, that this will be a wake-up call, and even to me, where, okay, things aren't as easy or definitely soon probably will not be as easy as we've always hoped. And so ease might not be coming, but we can't coast. That means we've got to take a stand. We've got to shine that light brighter, not not tuck tail and run. We've got God on our side. We've got his word. We can be bold. We can shine that light brighter. And the darker that the night gets spiritually, 
the brighter the light will shine forth. And let's be shining it more, not less. Matthew 5, verse 14 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I wonder how many of us, now we would always sing, hide it under a bushel, no. But I wonder how many of us try to let our Christian light, our Christian witness hide as often as we can. Instead of being a bold witness when we should. Instead of living different from the darkness than, than what we should. And so if the world's going over here, we're moving as close to Jesus as we can. The world can do what it wants. We're going to live Jesus' way. Not as close to the darkness as we can, but as close to Jesus as we can. It's interesting at night, if there's a lot of ambient light, if you're in a city, a lot of light around, our eyes will get so used to that ambient light that we may not even be able to notice the stars. I think it was uh, some of the Thompsons, Brother Tim and some of his family, that were commenting on how amazing they can see the stars when they're here. Because there's not a whole lot of ambient light. There's not a whole lot of, you know, houses and buildings and street lights and all of that. So the stars shine through brightly. They don't get dimmer if there's other light here, but our eyes get used to it. And so how often do we need to be careful to make sure that we're letting our light shine brightly and that we're not letting our eyes get used to the darkness spiritually. Or, okay, there's a little bit of light that's good enough, and God wants us to shine as bright as the stars. God wants us to share his message powerfully, and we're just okay with a little bit. By the way, you've heard it said before, I believe, and these statistics go around, but they really are true. A friend like you, inviting someone you know to church, makes that person you're inviting up to 80 times more likely to come, statistically speaking like 80 times more likely to come than a stranger inviting them. So I've got the people I know that I need to invite, but we've each got the people we know that we need to invite. If I, as a stranger, uh, yeah, I'm a youth pastor, and maybe you tell me about them, and I'll, I'll go. I'll share the gospel with anybody I can. But I'll invite them to our Easter service, all of that, doing every bit of that that I can. But again, I believe it's statistically speaking about 80 times more likely that they are to come. Most people, the vast majority of people, are likely to come to church if someone they know, someone they have a relationship with, cares enough to invite them to church, cares enough to shine that light, let's let this Easter season be a great reminder to that, of that. Let's remember that spreading the gospel is worth it. And you can say, well, what's it? Any of it. No matter what comes, it may not be easy, but it's worth it. 2 Timothy 2 verse 8, says, just after our passage, says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble. As an evildoer, even unto bonds. The Apostle Paul being treated as an evildoer for doing nothing but preaching the gospel, being treated horribly for doing right, says it's worth it. He says, but the word of God is not bound. Saying, I might be bound, but God's word's moving forward. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Apostle Paul is saying, hey, the world may do this or that to me, and they were. Oh, they, I mean, treating him horribly, eventually beheading him, we believe, there. Went through horrible, horrible beatings and mistreatment, treated horribly. And he says, that's okay if I'm bound, the word of God is not. It's okay if I go through that because it's worth it. And it's worth it even if it's a, a thankless job. Looking over to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15, again, the Apostle Paul says, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, the, the church there at Corinth, 
Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. He says, hey, it's worth it to do this for God. It's worth it to do this for you. Even if you don't thank me, even if it's a thankless job, even if I'm not seeing immediate results, it's worth it there. I think sometimes maybe you feel a little bit like what our goal is in the media department. We, we talk about this often, and we kind of joke about it up top there in the crow's nest, but it really is true. Whether it's someone running the soundboard or the PowerPoint or the live stream, our hope is to not be noticed. You notice the sound guy, the PowerPoint, or the live stream if we're making a mistake. And please be kind if you want to tell me some of those mistakes later. I know they're there, you know, but uh, we, we do our best and uh, privilege to be able to do that. But we do our best to not have a mic squeak or to actually keep Pastor John on camera on the live stream and, uh, you know, to switch cameras where we need to. You don't notice anything as long as we're doing our job. As long as we're doing our job up there, our focus can be on the Word of God and on God himself. And that's why we work hard to do our jobs up there to the best of our ability. So often when we're doing our part to shine the light, nobody may notice. Maybe some people in this church, maybe people in your own family don't know everything you're doing to help others and to impact them with the gospel, but God does. Maybe it's a thankless job that you're not getting noticed for. That's okay. It's great if we're doing our part to shine the light and nobody is noticing anything in us except for God. Let's keep faithful. Let's stay faithful. Do our job there. I uh, had the privilege a few years, several years ago, my dad bought me a book by Yogi Berra, a uh, baseball player. I was thinking when I was preparing this message, I, I should inform all the children that that's Yogi Berra, the baseball player, not Yogi Bear, the picnic basket stealer. And then I realized, wait, they don't know who Yogi Bear was either, probably. So any of you children, let's say, you know, 12 and under, if you know who Yogi Bear or Yogi Berra is, before I mention either of them, I'll be impressed. I'll give you some candy or something afterwards. I really will be impressed. But Yogi Berra was a phenomenal baseball player and manager and also a really good sarcastic guy. And that's what this book was. It was Yogi Berra-isms, things that he said. Uh, this isn't the point I'm making, but one thing he said is nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Uh, that's Walmart. Everybody avoids Walmart. It's too crowded. If you don't get that, think about it later. You'll, you'll get it. But uh, he said this. Somebody walked up to him, and I guess just trying to be mean or whatever, said, hey, Yogi, you're really ugly. He looked back at him and said, that's okay. I don't hit with my face. In other words, okay, it's all right if I'm ugly. I'm here to play baseball. I'm here to hit that ball. I don't need my face looking good to do that. Uh, again, probably a friend of his just giving him a hard time. I'm not sure. But at the same time, no matter what darkness, no matter what being mean even, no matter what the world throws at us, we can stay focused on our job. And it's a whole lot more important than hitting a baseball. I do like Yogi Bear. I do like baseball. But we've got such an important mission that it's okay if we suffer a little bit. It's okay if people are mean to us. It's okay if we lose some friends. It's okay if we lose a job. It's okay if we're less popular. It's okay if we don't always seem like we're winning. We are winning. We're on the winning side. We're not winning. God's winning. We get to be along with Him. When spiritual darkness seems to be closing in around us, those are great times to stay focused on shining the light. Next, when, spiritual dark, when it's spiritually dark, we can still endure with joy. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because it's worth it, because we've got God's grace, because that no matter what happens, we're on the winning side. We can endure hardness. We can go through some difficult things. Paul had mentioned being abandoned. Paul had suffered trouble being treated like an evildoer, was arrested, had gone through a lot up to this point. And he's saying, that's okay. We're going to endure hardness, whatever it is. 
because we can still have joy because God's worth it. First of all, endure hardness because of Jesus' example. Great passage in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We don't have to go through life just hoping to survive. We don't have to look at the potential spiritual darkness that's really potentially thickening and how bad it could get and just hope that we can hunker down and survive. God can use that very difficult time to be what propels his message forward. Maybe God uses that difficult time to do a greater work in each of our lives, to grow the church, to grow our church, and to grow other churches, to grow Christ's church. Maybe it's the very darkness that allows us to not only survive, but to thrive. It was Christ enduring the cross that earned our salvation, and he was able to go through the cross knowing the joy that was set before him, paying for each of our salvation. Commentator William MacDonald said this about Christ, our our undaunted captain is the Lord Jesus. No one ever endured such hostility from sinners as he. Whenever we have a tendency to grow weary and discouraged, we should think of what he went through. Our trials will seem trifling, by comparison, isn't that true? We can endure hardness because of his example. We don't need to be surprised when darkness and difficulty come. Now, just to be real transparent, I've kind of been surprised. I've definitely been surprised by some decisions lately in America and just you know, in Virginia and different places. Uh, some things that are extra dark, extra fast compared to my thinking. And I'm not saying I'm never surprised by those, but in a real sense... It's coming, whether it's now or in the future, it's coming, whether it's on a national level, a state level, or just an individual level, we will face darkness. That's not what matters as much as our response to it. My parents' pastor likes to say, your problem isn't your problem. Your response to your problem is your problem. We're not in control of the spiritual darkness. God will allow what he chooses to allow, and Satan will try his best to bring everything down. We're not in control of that, but we are in control of how we respond to it. We can endure with joy, more than just mere survival. 2 Timothy chapter 3, looking ahead one chapter, verse 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So we see evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And we're like, yep, that's today. And it is in so many ways. But our job is not to be surprised and not to throw up our hands and say, wow, things are getting worse. Darkness is getting worse. What do we do? No, our job is to continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We don't need to be surprised. We don't need to lose hope. We don't need to be discouraged, and we definitely don't need to quit. God is still at work. We can endure with joy. It broke my heart years ago to read uh, a book called Already Gone. It's by Ken Ham and a a different co-author. I can't remember off the top of my head who the co-author is, but uh, talking specifically about a lot of young people walking away from the church, but it, it chronicled where England was, I believe about 50 years ago, maybe a little longer at this point, and how many churches had had to close up shop to the point where businesses were buying the church buildings. I think there's one famous one that's now a rock climbing center. There's nightclubs and all sorts of things. Basically, anything that business owners or would-be business owners thought would attract people because churches were not. 
Churches were closing up. And that's the darkness that we can even see coming. I don't even think we're to that point yet. But I'm so encouraged. Um, missionary Zach Gillett, Zachary Gillett um, came and he shared this. He's a missionary in England that we had here several months back. He shared that now there are church planters able to go to some of those churches and buy them back and plant gospel Baptist churches there. Now, the darkness is losing in so many ways and God's work is not being bound. They're having to endure some serious difficulty and fight an uphill battle in that culture. But God's winning. And whether it's the short-term battles or the long-term, we know God is in control. Maybe the spiritual darkness is on the rise in America, and I would say it is. But that just means that spiritual light is that much more opportunity to show people the truth the real way. We can endure hardness because hard times should inspire boldness. Now, that's really throughout our passage and throughout 2 Timothy. But there's a verse in Acts that really hits this on the head. I heard a, seri- a sermon on it years ago just on this one verse from a lawyer that uh, is a Christian lawyer dealing with a lot of the fight, a lot of the issues. And it's Acts 4.29. It says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Early church, Acts 4, you can just think of all the threatenings and all the persecution that was right there. Basically saying, hey, God, please notice, see the threatenings that are going on. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. I think so often we get so scared of the dark that we're like, God, behold their threatenings, behold everything that's coming down, and end it. Make our circumstances easy. And there's nothing wrong with praying that. I pray for our country often. And I imagine those Acts 4 believers often prayed for the political situation to ease up, for the persecution to end. But that wasn't their main prayer, and it shouldn't be ours either, because our ease is not the most important thing. Lost souls hearing the gospel and accepting Christ for all eternity, that's the most important thing. They're saying, God, behold their threatenings. Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. May that be our prayer, whether things are a little dim or absolutely dark right now. Let's pray for boldness to declare the word of God. That's what we need. That's what our country needs. That's what our state needs. We need God's word in our own lives, even as Christians, to live this out. This is no time to complain, no need to complain, no time to question. Most of us probably grew up singing, I'm in the Lord's army. I'll spare you singing it and doing the motions, even though, you know, got to work with King's Kids for a while. And that's just a good song, but I'll spare you. I'll, I'll do it later. I'll sing it uh, when I'm alone, maybe, and just enjoy that. But so often we grew up singing, I'm in the Lord's army, and yet we want to retreat at the first sign of darkness, at the first sign of battle. We, we want God and everything he's doing to win, but then we're surprised when there's battles, And I don't have some super spiritual, uh, amazing level that I've attained to that says this is always something I get right or always easy for me or ever easy for me. But this is what we should be aspiring to. Even when things are difficult and spiritual darkness seems to be winning, we have the amazing opportunity through Jesus to endure with joy, to do more than just survive, but to thrive spiritually, even because things are difficult. Next, when it's spiritually dark, We need to realize what's got to go. There are some things that kind of hang out when it's twilight that probably shouldn't have been there anyway. But when things get really dark, when we realize the battle's on, those don't have any place. Some of them may be sins. And maybe the Holy Spirit is showing you something tonight that is sinful, goes against God, and you need to get rid of it. Maybe it's things that are luxuries. Maybe it's things that aren't bad, but they're holding you back from doing everything God wants you to do. When it's spiritually dark, we got to realize what's got to go. 
2 Timothy 2.4 says this, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. There's some entangling that has to go. It's so tragically easy to get wrapped up in the things of this world, whether sinful or not, that we miss what Jesus wants to do in our lives and through our lives. Real silly example, you can picture this mentally if you want, but uh, my cat and my dog, uh, they get along, they love each other, I I think, but uh, they they like to fight like cats and dogs, uh, as the expression goes, but uh, they usually get along, and then when our our cat is ready to be done fighting, he'll just go crawl somewhere that the dog can't fit and hide, but uh, they were fighting in our kitchen this afternoon, and uh, their boots, our cat, he... uh, got around this bag, this uh, gross cloth grocery bag, and he was starting to get wrapped up in it. And I'm like, looking at him, not even initially thinking about this message, but I'm like, man, Boots, you got to get out of that if you're going to win this battle against the dog. You're not going to be able to be tangled up in this bag and still be free to win the battle against the dog. The cat got out. I don't know who won the fight. I have no idea. And silly example, to say the least. But, man, just like a cat can't be wrapped up, we can't be wrapped up physically and expect to do anything physically in a battle physically. Spiritually, we can't be entangled caring so much about the things of the world, caring more about the things of the world than we do about the things of God and expect to get anywhere. It was amazing to me. It was just this morning. Um, this will take just a moment, kind of an aside, but it really relates. I read Luke 4, um, and starting in verse 33 for our passage here. It said, And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, demon-possessed man there, and cried out with a loud voice, saying to Jesus, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him. And they were all amazed, all the other people amazed, and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out of him. And yet so many of those same people who watched Jesus with amazement cast a literal demon, I believe demons, out of this man, Never let Jesus clean up the darkness in their own lives. So many of them never realized their spiritual need was great, that they were in spiritual darkness, that they were lost on their way to hell. Not demon-possessed. In many ways, you could say not being demon-possessed, they weren't in as much spiritual darkness as that guy. But in many ways, they were. They were on their way to hell, just the same as that man. And so many were amazed. Wow, he's got the power to do that for them. And they missed it in their own lives. So many denied Jesus the opportunity to forgive their sins and drive out their own spiritual darkness, perhaps because they saw it as less dark than this demon-possessed man. Uh, I've read that uh, having lights around your house, having some outdoor lights, even some lights on inside, maybe on vacation you have one that comes on here and there um, through a smart plug and different things, that light can be the number one deterrent to crime. You want to prevent crime, you have lights. That's why we have lights on around here each night and all of that. But are we allowing the light of God's word to drive sin out of our own lives, to drive the spiritual darkness out of our own lives, even as Christians? Or are we amazed at the big change God can do in someone else, but not realizing what needs to go in our own lives? We can't be wrapped up in something else and serve God properly. 2 Timothy 2.4 says it so well. No man that warreth entangleth himself, himself with the affairs of this life. 2 Timothy 2.22, just skipping down a little bit, it says, Flee also youthful lusts, 
but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Someone once said that a spare time Christian is a contradiction in terms. A man's whole life should be one strenuous endeavor to live out his Christianity in every moment and in every sphere of his life. If we're going to rise above the spiritual darkness through Christ, we need to be willing to set aside some sinful things and some things that maybe they aren't sinful, but the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, it's dark. You're going to shine that light. You've got to get rid of these less important things. Focus less on that and more on me and allow the Holy Spirit to be the one to lead you there. We can't take shortcuts and serve God properly. It's 2 Timothy 2, verse 5. It says, if a man, And if a man strive, also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except, except he strive lawfully. You've got to follow the rules. We can't take shortcuts. The spiritual darkness of the world around us should inspire us to move away from it, to clean up our own act so we can be a proper witness for Christ instead of trying to be so entangled with the world and sin that we make no difference in the lives of those around us. We'll often pride ourselves for being less sinful from the world, but still moving closer to them. Last, let's look at this. When it's spiritually dark, we need to celebrate the wins that God gives us. Excitement is a powerful tool. And I think sometimes it's, well, we want to give God all the glory so we shouldn't even be excited. No, it's really exciting to think that God did something. And isn't it exciting to think God did something and he used me? Like, I just, sometimes that just blows me away that God's not only so big to do it, but he can even use me. Like, that's cool. Uh, you ever try to have someone help you with something that you could do easily? And maybe it was a child or whatever, and you realize it's like a hundred times harder to do that job with them. Yeah, my, my wife is smiling. Hopefully that's not trying to have me help her with something. Hopefully that's the kids. I don't know. But man, that's uh, even just a small picture of God, and he's infinite. But man, God could do all of this without us, but we should celebrate when he uses us in some way. When we spe see spiritual victories, we should enjoy the rewards of lives invested in and God glorified. 2 Timothy 2.6 says, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruit. If you're a husbandman taking care uh, of a vineyard, taking care of some fruit, you should enjoy the fruit. Really, this passage gives us three, in our text, gives us three comparisons that help us remind us of what we can win through God. First of all, in husbandmen, we'll look at, they should enjoy the harvest. That's going to make them want to invest in more harvest. Maybe have a bigger vineyard next year. I like having a garden. I really do. We're getting geared up, especially my wife. Uh, she does more work with it than I am, than I do. I'll give credit where credit is due. But uh, we're getting geared up before too long to be planting our garden and all of that. We're excited about it. Planted some apple trees last year. They're starting to bud up and probably won't get fruit this year. But we're excited about all of that. I don't like weeding. I don't like tilling a garden. I don't like doing any of that, especially in 90-degree heat. I don't really enjoy those things. If you do... Come see me this summer. You can weed all you want. If you enjoy weeding, that'll be great. But it's worth it to do that work because of the harvest. Take away the harvest. I don't think I've ever met anybody that really just enjoys weeding for the sake of it. Just going out in the woods. Hey, weeds. And they just want to. No, nobody would do that. They're doing it for the harvest, for the victory, for the win. An example of a soldier. You got to fight to win the battle. Imagine soldiers who lose sight of victory. That's an army that's probably demoralized in so many ways and not going to be able to keep going for very long. God does give rewards here and in eternity. God does use us to impact others and to bring him glory. He doesn't show us everything he's doing, but he so often does. He doesn't show us every battle that we've been a part of that he's won 
and involved us in, but when he does give us a glimpse for our lives or others, we should celebrate that. We should be excited. And then the example of an athlete mentioned earlier in the passage, and I wanted to share this story. I've shared this before, I believe, in a Next Generation service as well as often in every youth group I've ever been the, uh, the youth pastor of, but I didn't realize there was more to the story until this afternoon. So maybe you've heard me share this before. Maybe you've heard it from someone else. Maybe you heard the whole story, but I didn't, and I was missing a great illustration at the end. It was on the 4th of July, 1952, that a lady named Florence Chadwick, at the age of 34, she set her goal at being the first woman to swim the 26 miles from Catalina Island uh, in in the California coastline. I get worn out driving 26 miles, so, I mean, this lady, I mean, swimming a marathon, just amazing to me. She began this historical journey Uh, flanked by small boats that watched out for sharks that are in that part of the waters. And the boats were prepared to help her if she got hurt or grew tired. Hour after hour she swam, but after 15 hours, a thick, heavy fog set in. Florence began to doubt her ability, and she told her mom, who was in one of the boats, that she didn't think she could make it. Her mother and her trainer continued to offer encouragement. They told her it wasn't much farther, but all she could see was fog. They urged her not to quit. And she never had quit until then. As she sat in the boat, Florence found out um, she had stopped swimming within less than one mile out of the whole 26, less than one mile away from the California shoreline. Florence explained that she had quit because she could no longer see the coastline. There was too much fog. She could not see her goal. And that's as far as I've ever heard the illustration, as far as I've ever read. And that was the illustration I wanted to share tonight. And I think you see the point that if we can see the fact that God is going to use our struggling, God is going to use the hardness that we endure, the light we're shining, no matter how difficult it is to impact others, then we'll be able to keep going. But the story goes on, and I missed this for years. Two months later after that event, Florence got back in the water to try her task once more. This time was different. She swam from Catalina Island to the shore of California in a straight path for 26 miles. The same thick fog set in, but Florence made it this time because that, well, while she was swimming, she kept a mental image of the shoreline in her mind. Florence Chadwick became the first woman to swim the Catalina Channel, beating the men's record by two hours. She didn't lose sight of the shore because she focused on that image of the coast in her mind, and in this way she reached her goal. There will be times spiritually where that fog, that darkness is too thick for us to see what God is doing. But let's keep our eyes on eternity. Let's keep our eyes on heaven. Let's keep our eyes on the fact that God sees everything that's going on. He will never allow it to be more than he's going to bring us through. He's going to give us eternity in heaven one day, and we can keep going. Maybe we can't see what he's doing, but we can see him if we'll take the time to keep picturing what he, the fact that he's in control. It'd be senseless and even discouraging for a husbandman, a soldier, an athlete to not enjoy the win, to not enjoy the reward of their effort. They'd soon quit trying to gain future victories. Now, we should never make it about us or act like this was any, any of it was us. But when God does something through us, when God does something in, in a life of someone in this church, let's rejoice. Let's be excited. When we hear about the wins that God is doing, let's be excited. And when it's so dark that we can't see what God's doing... Let's trust what he's doing. I've, I've heard it said that when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. I think that's a song lyric, actually. I won't sing it. But uh, when we can't see exactly what God's doing, let's trust the Savior we know and love. Let's allow him to work. Because we have God and his promises behind us, we can move forward, winning spiritual battles by his grace. No matter how dark things get, 
God is still on the throne, and he still wants to use us to do great things. When he does, let's take time to celebrate the win, first and foremost, by giving him glory. Sometimes hardness, sometimes difficulty and darkness is what it takes for us to realize how serious the situation is and to shine that light brighter, to get going spiritually, to be ready, to be prepared for the battle by drawing closer and closer to God, making sure our light is shining brightly spiritually. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we've never walked a moment as a Christian without you, and we never will. I pray that we'll allow you to lead us each step of the way. I do pray for many, I'm sure, in this room, maybe others watching online, others that will watch later, who knows, that are, that are facing specific struggles. I pray that you'll draw near, that you'll help them. But above all, as we face the darkness of this world, that we'll remember that this is temporary. We're just passing through. And we'll keep our image of you and of your heart, your love for us, your control, your grace in mind, and we'll keep going no matter how thick the spiritual fog gets. And that you'll give us boldness to proclaim your word, to shine the light brighter and brighter as it gets darker and darker, spiritually speaking. Thank you that you're with us each step of the way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You are dismissed.